0: Hello and welcome to the Women's Edition, the podcast which celebrates women's stories. I'm Carla and I'm joined by women who share stories about their lives, experiences, and challenges. So, wherever you are, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy their stories as much as I do. Hello and welcome back, or if you're a first time listener, hello and welcome to the Women's Edition podcast. This week, I had a wonderful chat with Stacy Shepard. She's a freelance writer and an award-winning blogger who specialises in interior design. Stacy is the first woman who I've actually never met who's come on the podcast. The first time we spoke was at the beginning of the chat. I was actually a bit nervous because I knew everyone else, so I knew their background and I kind of knew... How the interview was going to go but with Stacy I had no idea but she was so great she's so professional and I got into it and I forgot we were recording like near the start which is always a good sign of a good chat. Stacy is not only an award-winning blogger but she's also founded a small community driven co-working space for female entrepreneurs called The Tribe which I thought was so interesting and I followed Stacey on Instagram and then we got chatting in DMs and that's how she's on the podcast today. I won't say too much more because we chat for around 50 minutes so without further ado here's our chat, enjoy! first talk about you, Stacey. So could you tell us your story and a bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, so I'm Stacey Shepherd. I'm a freelance writer and professional blogger and I specialise in interior design. Um, I live in Dartmouth in Devon with my husband and my two little girls who are five and seven. Um, and yeah, I write an award-winning blog called The Design Shepherd.
0: And with the blog, can you tell us a bit about it, Like, why you chose to blog and why you chose interior design?
1: Yeah, sure. So I actually studied um, languages at university. So I've got a first class degree in French and German and European studies. And ever since I was about 11, I just loved languages and I wanted to do something in a job with languages. And I thought I wanted to be an interpreter or a translator until my final year at uni where I got to do a module in interpreting and that was when I realised that I don't really enjoy this and I don't want to do it as a job. Um, teaching wasn't something that I wanted to do um, and I didn't know what area of business that I wanted to go into using languages so I kind of had a bit of a crisis after university thinking what what am I going to do with these languages. Um, so I moved back home to Devon with my parents and um, just got some you know, just a regular job just to pay off the student loan and and just to settle back into non-student life. Um, And then within a couple of years, I saw an advert for a job working at a local magazine. Well, it was an international magazine, but it was based in Dartmouth and it was a trade magazine for kitchen and bathroom design. Um, So I got a job there and it was just um, doing the chasing for adverts coming in for the magazine. So it quickly got very mundane and very boring and it wasn't something that inspired me, so I asked the editor if he needed any help writing the magazine because I quite fancied doing some research for him or just helping write some small bits for for the magazine when he needed extra support. Um, And luckily he said yes. So I started to write a little bit for this magazine um, and I went on a um, feature writing course and ended up as staff writer on the magazine. Um, and I loved that job. It was it was amazing. And I might still be doing it today if it hadn't have been for the financial crisis of 2008, which obviously saw the home design industry take a massive hit um, with the recession. And unfortunately, I was made redundant. It was such a small team anyway, really, really small team. There was only about eight of us. So anyone who wasn't integral to the production of the magazine had to get cut. And because the editor was the integral writing part. I unfortunately lost my job Um, and I very very quickly found another job in Bristol um, as an associate editor on a number of magazines writing all different subjects but none of them really floated my boat like design did and it was at that point that I realised that this is definitely what I want to make my career out of. and one of the girls who was on my writing team had a blog that she was writing about fashion. And I'd never heard of a blog before that. Didn't even know what it was. Um, had a chat with her and she she said to me, well, it's basically your own online magazine and you write what you want and you publish it when you want. And it's just all online. And for me, that was just incredible. It just sounded like freedom. I thought, wow, I can I can make my own online magazine without having to run all my ideas past an editor. It's just all whatever I want to write. And it just opened up my mind to a whole universe of opportunity. And at the time, I thought what I will do is I will start a blog and I will keep my name out there because everybody kind of knew my name in the industry from working at this magazine and I didn't want to lose that. So I thought if I start a blog, I can keep my name in the industry, people will know who I am, and eventually I'll use that to get back into another magazine job. Um, And unexpectedly, my blog just took off not immediately obviously I had no readers for ages um but over time it it took off and it got to the point where I didn't need to go back and get another magazine job because my blog became its own kind of media outlet
0: um so yeah that's
1: that's how it all started
0: and how did you plow on because with this podcast I'm kind of like a few listeners here a few listeners there how what made you continue when you said you had a few followers what pushed you on
1: I think passion, I enjoyed doing it so much and it was it was a really cathartic experience for me. It was my creative outlet and I I thought I'm gonna write this for me more than anything else. Um and I was proud of what I was putting out there and I enjoyed the process. I loved speaking to people and interviewing people and writing about their their products and their services that they offered and it brought me so much joy. And I kind of vowed that no matter how many readers or not readers that I had, I wouldn't give up, that I would just keep going because it it really helped me just having that creative outlet because I wasn't getting it at work. The things I was writing about, I enjoyed the process of writing, but the things I was writing about were like oil and gas in Russia um, or agriculture in the US or, I don't know just things that weren't they didn't make me come alive when I wrote about them. Like I could still write about them really well, but they didn't do anything for me. Um so my blog, I was coming home of an evening, I was working nine till five, then coming home and thinking, right, now I can really get into something juicy that sets me on fire and and create something wonderful. And it was that passion that took me through. So just just making that decision not to give up. Because I think everybody thinks with whatever it is they're starting, whether it's a blog or a podcast, that you're going to start and people will listen and that's it. You're going to grow this massive following and it's going to be really successful. But it took me years before I had a really decent following and before people started to take it really seriously. Um, And it was just, you know, you can, you can focus on all the advice that you get and all the tips and tricks for engagement and for growth. But I think unless you've got that passion and a reason for doing it, it just makes it a really hard slog.
0: Yeah, that was my next question. I was going to ask you, you know, you have this fantastic following now for your blog on your social media. And like, how do you grow a loyal following like that?
1: Yeah, so it, it took, it's taken obviously a long time to get there. I've been writing the blog since 2009, which makes me feel like <laughs> really old in the industry. And I've got to the point now where in the beginning, I was an early adopter of everything. So a new platform came out and I was either invited to join it by the platform, or I was one of the first people on it. Um, which really helped because they obviously the platforms themselves help to promote the people who are the first people who join um, but now I've got to the point where I am so not an early adopter anymore like I, I posted my first reel on Instagram yesterday and I think reels came out in August last year so I've now got to the point where I just can't keep up with the pace of change anymore but initially I really put the effort into understanding each platform and what what it wants from you and who the people are that I want to reach on that platform and making sure that I really engage. So Twitter's my favorite platform personally. I really like Twitter, I think, because I'm a words person. Um, and I just use it for conversation. I just, I don't so much use it for promotion. I mean, I obviously do promote all my blog posts on there as well, but I, I use it mostly as as a communication tool for talking to the people that follow me and the people that I follow and really networking and making those interactions valuable for people um, and I think value is something that is really underrated you can churn out content and churn out content but what people really want is is value they want to know what they can learn, what they can pick up, the tips and tricks that you can provide them with um, so I think if you can be of value to your following then you're more likely to get them to remain loyal to you and to and to
0: grow Amazing. That's really good tips for anyone who's listening, really, not just me. <laughs> um, so what does what does life as a freelance writer and blogger look like? Because you've obviously got the passion there. Uh, but what does mm. life day to day life um, look like?
1: Well, it's funny because when I first started my blog, I had the dream of one day this could be full time for me Um and just thinking about that really excited me and i thought wow i could i could work from home and just write my blog or write the articles that i want to write as a freelancer and not have to worry about office politics or people asking me to do stuff when i'm like in the flow or random meetings here there and everywhere and it would it was just a dream to think i could work from home be in charge of my own schedule and my own sort of like plan of action of what i was going to do each day um and it took me a really long time to get there because i Although I wanted to do that, I was afraid to make it into my full-time job because I was afraid of what would happen to the passion. So, it had all because it had always been a side thing for me, I didn't rely on it for my income, which meant I had much more flexibility to write about the things that I really wanted. And then I thought, if it's my full-time job, then I, I might put that passion at risk because I need to make money from it. And then, you know, if people are coming to you with opportunities to write about X, Y, Z product, and it's not something that you would have chosen to write about, but the money's there, what decisions am I going to make? And am I going to stay true to my my principles and the ethos of my blog, or am I going to sell out a little bit because I need to make money? And that internal battle took me years to work out and to, and to sort of, I just didn't want to compromise The values that my blog was built on just because it was my full-time job so for a very long time I didn't take it full-time and then my part-time job announced just before Christmas that uh, I think it was 2018 or 2019 I can't even remember now it seems like a lifetime ago um, that I was going to be made redundant so I decided right this is it then this is the time that I make the jump and I take this whole thing and turn it into my full-time full-time job And then, as it turned out, they didn't need to make me redundant, but at that point, I was so in the right mindset that I was going to go and do it. Um, And so I I did it. I made the leap and and took my blog full time. And it was great for the first six months or so. It was really good. The novelty of doing the school run and then coming back and having my comfy clothes on and just doing what I needed to do and working on the sofa in a blanket was really nice. But slowly, I started to realise that having no interaction with other humans other than my own children and the mums on the school run, I was less inspired. The creativity wasn't flowing quite as easily as it was. I had no one to bounce ideas off of. I had no conversations taking place around me that would spark new ideas. Um, and then it became quite lonely. And I thought, wow, this has been my dream for so long and I've achieved it. And not actually sure I like it that much after all (laughs) so yeah it was a bit of a shock to to finally get there and then realize that it wasn't everything that I had hoped it would be
0: yeah I've heard that from quite a few people that you have this dream and then the dream happens and then it's not all that it cracked up to be I guess it's that grass isn't always greener thing Yeah. yeah yeah totally
1: I had never it didn't didn't come into it didn't come into my sort of train of thought that I would be lonely because I'm a bit of an introvert anyway I like my own company I spend quite a lot of time in my own thoughts um and I thought you know I could I could easily do all of this on my own and and I would be you know without all those interruptions and the hustle and bustle of an office that I would actually work better and be more efficient and I was quite surprised to find that actually it, it wasn't the case after all
0: no which brings us on to my next question which is about your newest project, The Tribe. Um, Can you explain a little Mm. bit about what The Tribe is and how that idea came about? Yeah, sure. So while I was
1: working for myself at home and doing the school run, and I got speaking to a lot of the other school mums um, on the school run, and it struck me how many of them owned their own business and how many of them were running these really successful businesses that I hadn't known about because they, you know, people didn't talk about it. We talked about kids on the school run. We didn't really talk about our own successful businesses. Um, but the more I started speaking to more mums, I, it became really apparent that most people, most women in this area, seem to be running their own business, whether it's full time or as a part time thing. And then I got a press release through one day that said. Um, The South West has the highest proportion of female entrepreneurs in the whole country. Which really shocked me because obviously I would just assume it would be London. Um, And the more I thought about it, I thought, well, it makes sense really, because there's not that many job opportunities for us down here in the South West being largely hospitality and tourism. Um, And if you become a mum and you have a family, the hours for hospitality and tourism jobs aren't that flexible um, so a lot of mums would obviously decide to set up their own business if they can, because it works really well for family life, you're in charge of your own schedule, and it just got me thinking that maybe there were other mums or other women, doesn't have to be a mum, it could be a woman, who's down here working for themselves, alone, at home, feeling lonely like I am, struggling with all the things that female entrepreneurs struggle with, like imposter syndrome or a lack of confidence, or, um, you know, lo- lo- loads of things that affect women, that don't necessarily affect men, like that, that whole juggle of, of home life and, and work life. Um, and I thought if they're if they're all sitting at home as well, feeling like I am, wouldn't it be amazing if we could have a place where we could all meet together and support one another and network and talk about the issues that we have in a safe space that feels just you know for us and over the last few years because of my design work over the last few years i've noticed co-working spaces popping up it started about 10 years ago when design-led co-working spaces were popping up with the we work and all those big design-led co-working spaces and then after another couple of years i noticed female only ones popping up in new york and and berlin and you know in the big major metropoles and they were beautifully designed and many of them had like a spa and a yoga studio and a breastfeeding room and you know beautiful libraries full of empowering books for women and i thought you know that is such a fabulous idea and i feel like i need a space like that but i don't live in london and there are no decent co-working spaces where I live let alone design-led ones let alone ones for women Um, and so I looked into it and I thought about it for a while and I'd spoken to a friend about it and she didn't know what co-working was um, because I thought maybe she'd want to get on board with me and set one up but she she didn't even know what the concept was so I kind of parked the idea for ages and then I got a business coach to um, just run through some ideas about my blog work and after my first session, I went away and just kind of reevaluated what my gifts are, my sort of my business superpowers, and what I could bring to my blog. And it was at that point that I realised that actually I have a lot of gifts that I don't necessarily use in my blogging work, which could be put to really great use if I was to pursue this idea of a co working space for female entrepreneurs um i'm really good at connecting people and you know people together or people with the services or tools that they need and i just seem to be really good at creating networks which is you know obviously part of my blog i've built a big community of people around it um and i i thought if i could just get the confidence to do this then it could be a pretty amazing venture and my business coach basically just helped me rationalize all my fears over why i couldn't do it and made me agree that I could do it, and told me, yes, do it. (laughs) I think I just needed the permission. So he told me to do it, and four months later, I opened.
0: (laughs) Incredible. That's amazing.
1: So, yeah, it it was quick.
0: And so this is, where is this space? What does it look like? Did you design it? So...
1: Well, it's in Totnes. Uh, my initial my initial thought was, I'm gonna have loads of time to work on this because where on earth am I gonna find a space? Because I had no money saved up to do it. I hadn't planned it, it wasn't, it wasn't a planned thing. It was just a thought, a conversation with a business coach and then a decision to do it. So I thought it would take me ages to find a space, but it seemed that once I decided to do it, everything fell into place. So I met people that could help me. I met people who suggested things that were exactly what I needed. Like people just walked into my life to make it happen. It was a very sort of, it was just full of synchronicities and everything I needed just fell in my lap. So I, I know um, a local lady who works in PR and I was having a conversation with her one day and she said, oh, wow, I need a place like that. It would, you know, I'd really love to have somewhere to go like that. And then about a week later, she messaged me to say that a space that she used to hire a desk in was up for rent and that maybe I should take a look at it because it might be, you know a, a decent space for me to use for my co-working space so I went along to have a look and it was it was perfect it was tiny there's only eight desks um because I didn't want to start too big because I was quite scared of doing this because I you know I didn't really know to what extent it would work out I did all my background research and loads of planning for it but I wasn't you know so there's always that fear that what if it doesn't work out so I didn't want to over exert myself so I found the space um And I obviously I have a background in interior design, but I'm not a qualified designer and everyone always thinks that I am, but I'm not. So I write about design and I can write about why a design is lovely, but I don't necessarily have all the skills needed to pull together an interior design scheme. And I was thinking to myself, God, it'd be really good if I could find a local interior designer who could help me with this. And then one sent me a message on Instagram one day and said, Hey, do you need any help to (laughs) design your space? So we worked together, Um, she's called Kiva McKenna of Yellow Brick Road Design and she's an absolutely awesome designer and she listened to my vision and what I was hoping to achieve and exactly what I wanted the space to feel like and she just took my initial ideas and leveled them up so much further than I could have done on my own Um, and she had loads of connections to local tradesmen and just just that attention to detail that her design background gave her that mine didn't, and it just really helped her to, to bring the space together. And I wanted to create somewhere that people wanted to spend time. So for me, working from home, I think I did it for about nine months before I made the decision to open a co-working space. So nine months of working from home, I thought if I'm going to go and work somewhere that's going to tempt me out of my cosy home, it's going to have to be somewhere as, nice as as nice as my own home or nicer because no one wants to go and work somewhere a little bit crappy um and i from looking around at the other co-working spaces i was like mm, i don't want to pay you my money to leave my nice cozy warm nice house to come and work in this, this sort of hideous magnolia box with rubbish furniture and you know n- nothing inspiring to look at that like, i might as well just stay at home um so I wanted to make it somewhere that people would look at it and go, oh, this is so nice. I really want to spend time here. Um, and I also wanted to integrate a lot of um, like nice colours that are, are a bit inspiring. I definitely didn't want to keep it white or magnolia. I wanted to give it kind of an earthy colour palette and integrate lots of plants and greenery. So... Biophilic design is something that is, I don't want to say it's a trend because I don't think it's going to be a trend. I don't think we're going to you know, move on from biophilic design. I think it's going to become a lifestyle. Um, But it's all about bringing nature into the built environment. Because as humans, we have this really innate desire to connect with nature. And it makes us feel better. It's good for our mental health. And, you know, obviously we didn't know this at the time I opened. But being in a pandemic and being confined more to our houses and having less connection to nature, we're all craving it so much, everybody wants to get outside, they want to get out into you know, at the beach or into the parks and, and just spend more time out in nature. Um, so I wanted to bring that into the, the co-working space as well. Um, slight stumbling block was that I'm not very good at keeping plants alive. But I I wrote an article about biophilic design and interviewed an expert, and he said that you can use faux plants. It has the same effect for mental health and well-being as a real living plant does. So after a few weeks of being open and the real plants dying, I switched them out for, for a lot of fake ones because the guilt of having all these dead plants everywhere. It was just too much to bear. Um, but it, it does. It has the same effect for your mental health and well-being. So... So yeah, I wanted to create
0: somewhere that people really felt like they wanted to spend time. Sounds so lovely. So what, why, why a female space? Why do you think it's important for women to have this space of their own?
1: I think that we have a lot of challenges in business that men don't necessarily have. And it's not men's fault. It's just the way that women are brought up and the way we're socialised and the expectation that society puts on us. Um, I think a lot of women. We feel like we don't want to take up too much space. We don't want to ask for too much. We don't want to put other people out. We don't want to stand out too much. We don't want to be too confident. Like there's a lot of things around, you know, like language use. Like when, 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 when we're kids, and you know, boys might be a little bit boisterous or a little bit loud, and and they're, you know, picked out. Oh, he's going to be a good leader, whereas a little girl would be bossy you know there's like a lot of ways that we're conditioned throughout like society that put constraints on us so that when we're when we're setting up businesses we just have all these issues that we need to deal with um and I'm not saying men don't have them there will be loads of men who have them but I don't know any women in business who don't have these issues so I think having a space where you can talk to people about it and know that they feel the same as you and work through it together and support each other so when i went when i first left my part-time job um to go fully freelance i had a fantastic group of friends and we had a whatsapp group all women in business and we all we're all bloggers at the time but now we all have separate businesses on the side as well And I don't think we'd have been able to do that without each other. So we were in daily contact. And when anyone had like a crisis of confidence, we were all there to rally around and say, don't forget, you're amazing at this and you've got this talent and people love the fact that you can offer this and you're worth it. And don't be afraid to raise your prices if you're not making the profit margins you need to make. Don't be afraid to launch that new thing or don't be afraid to show up on Instagram TV like you can do this you're good on camera Like all those little boosts that you need to help you push outside of your comfort zone and uh, and take it one step higher that you might not be able to do if you're just at home listening to that critical voice in your head because that voice is really mean (laughs) that voice is really horrible the one that tells you that you're not good enough and that you can't do this and that self-sabotages you over and over again and if you don't have anyone there to counter that voice, then you kind of get stuck and you kind of listen to that, that critical voice. And you really need a little squad of of supporters around you to to help get you out of that sort of lull sometimes. And that was integral for me. And I thought, you know, I'm sure other women need this as well. And if I could just bring them together and get the right women in the room. And I was constantly seeing... People saying online, oh, if I just, I need, if I wish I knew this kind of person who could help me with this, or like seeing in Facebook groups. And I always knew the person they needed. I always, as soon as anyone says to me, oh, I wish I could do this, or I wish I knew someone who could teach me how to write an ebook, I'd be like, oh my God, I know that person. Like, I know that person. I could hook you up. And I just thought, if I could get all these people together, then I could make those connections for them and I could put them in touch with the person who could help with their confidence issue or give them that skill that they need for their business. Um, And I just thought making it all for women would just be, it would
0: just be really nice to create that safe space. So you've given women a tribe. Is that where the name came from?
1: Yeah, totally. So I struggled with the name for a while, but um, I just really like the saying, your vibe attracts your tribe. And I really wanted to create a space where other women who have my approach to business, like I'm all about community over competition, like we can raise each other up. We don't need to look at our competitors and, you know, feel like we're in battle with them and we're, you know, we're fighting against them and we're trying to, you know, demarcate our territory. For me, it's more about what makes your business unique is you and no one can do what you do like you do it. Even if they're doing the exact same thing, they can't do it like you because there's no one else like you. And for me, this took me years to work out because people always ask when you're when you're a blogger, they always ask, like, you know, what what makes you different? Why should people read your blog over someone else's blog? and for years i didn't know because there were bloggers who specialized in scandinavian design and minimalist design and then there were the maximalists and then there were the diy bloggers who who um documented their own renovation project um and i didn't feel anywhere really because i I'd, I'd started it just wanting it to be like a magazine so i always used press pictures because i don't you know, I didn't take my own pictures. I featured other people's products. And it was more kind of like a roundup of really cool designers, products, um, events, hotels that I'd come across. And I kind of curated them like like you would see in like El Decor or somewhere. So I didn't really feel like I had a unique selling point for my blog. I didn't really know where I fit into that landscape. And after a long time, I was putting together a media kit and I asked my readers for testimonials. And a lot of them just came back and just said that they really like the way I deliver the information and I'm it doesn't sound overwhelming it doesn't sound um exclusive I'm not trying to you know make myself out as the expert and give them confusing information that you know puts me above them I'm talking to them on the level and really making everything accessible for people and then I had this like little epiphany and I was like oh it's me that makes my blog unique I'm I'm the thing that sets me apart from other other blogs, and then I realised that 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 can be extended to business as a whole. Like you can, you can do the same business as someone else, but it doesn't mean that there isn't space for both of you. And when I first opened, I had two, two ladies for the tribe who are both they both specialise in Instagram and kind of social media management, and they were like consulting to companies. And they both did exactly the same thing and they collaborated so much. They would do Instagram lives together and they would, you know, if one was busy when Instagram announced a huge new thing, like, you know, say Reels came out and one was busy doing something else, the other one would hop onto their Instagram account and make the announcement for them so that they didn't miss out and their followers didn't miss out. And they, they worked together all the time. And I, I spoke to them and I was like, this is unusual because most people, you know, there's this wariness of your competitors like you don't want to share information with them and you don't want them to have one up on you and you're trying to always like beat them to the post and they're like but why would we do that because we have very different ideal customers like the people who book with me wouldn't book with her because we're very different like we have a very different approach to business very different personalities and we don't attract the same people and I think that's so true and it's so easy to you know, pitch yourself up and compare yourself to other people who work in your industry when really what you should be doing is comparing yourself to yourself and just doing your thing and doing it to the best of your ability. You must have met so many women through the tribe. Have any of them inspired you? Oh, every day, they all inspire me every day honestly so um because my space is closed at the moment only to I'm only letting the people who have a permanent desk go in because some of them can't work from home. Um but we're closed to hot deskers at the moment for the second time. So obviously I had to close throughout the whole first the whole first lockdown. So it was it was sold destroying because having found the courage to do it after years, um opened in January, had to shut down in March, um and didn't know if I'd be able to reopen again. And then being shut again this time, I've had to try and, and pivot the business. Um and I wasn't in a place to do that in the first lockdown because it all came as such a shock and the homeschooling and the worry that I'd now got myself into this situation where I had a second business trying to keep two businesses afloat lost all my blogging income in the first um in the first lockdown Compl- everything just disappeared overnight um so I, I didn't have the headspace to try and pivot and I watched everyone else pivot and I was that was inspiring enough like watching all these amazing business women just change direction overnight and just you know just completely reinvent their business it was so inspiring but at the same time it made me feel like an utter failure because I couldn't do the same thing but I just knew that if I attempted it it wouldn't go well and I'd burn out and I'd probably end up having a breakdown so I just rode the wave and waited until we could open again but this time um I it was always part of my plan but I was going to do it in the physical space, so I wanted to start doing workshops and, you know, getting experts in to talk to women and share their skills and their knowledge and their expertise. Um, but because it's such a tiny space with only eight desks, I now can't do social distancing in the space to get the people in to do, like, workshops that make it financially viable. And I'd always wanted to do an online membership as well because I realised that not everyone needs a desk. Like, there are people, there are women working at home. don't need a desk like i've got friends who are you know they work in craft so they might you know do ceramics or they might do um i don't know wood burning or something make jewelry so they don't need a desk because they need to work at home with their equipment but they still need that community and they still want that connection they still want to collaborate with other people and they still want to feel part of something bigger but they don't need a physical desk in a space so i wanted to create a membership um and I had all these ideas, I had the plan, but I didn't have the knowledge, the technological knowledge, to create a membership platform. And I didn't really have the time or headspace to properly research how to do it. And then one of the ladies who um, comes in to work at the tribe, who is the most fabulous, fabulous woman, and you should interview her as well, actually. She's called Claire Collis. And she just casually mentioned one day that that's her speciality is (laughs) building platforms for membership sites and launching courses online and doing all the things that i wanted to do but didn't have the technological know-how to do Um, so this lockdown she helped me to create an online version of the tribe so we've just launched um the online version uh so we've now got 14 women in this first intake um, and we've got a private Facebook group where we can connect and talk daily. We have a Zoom call every Saturday morning um, where we just talk about, you know, what where we're at in our business, our goals, what we want to achieve this week, what we're struggling with, what we wish we knew. Does anyone else know it? Um, and we just share that knowledge and that experience and those skills and create connections and accountability. Um, so we, we've created that. And I tell you what, the women in that group... Literally, they inspire me every single day. I've I've been trying to push people to achieve the things they want to achieve in the nicest possible way. Like, I don't want to pressure anyone. I don't want to make anyone do anything that they don't want to do. But I really want to open their eyes to what we see when we look at them because it's not the same thing that they see in the mirror. Like, if they could see what I could see when I look at them, they'd probably be blown away because they just they don't see their own power their own strength and their own potential at all. And just trying to to get them to release some of that out and just step into it and do it. And, you know, they they blow me away. Like we we did a couple of people that were on my PR course in November are in the group now. And video was a big thing. People saying, you know, I know I should do video for my business because, you know, get more engagement. People get to know you a bit better, but I'm just way too scared to do it. And so when we opened the online platform, I asked everyone if they wouldn't mind making an introduction video to tell everyone about themselves. And I knew there were women in the group who would think that was an utter nightmare. And that they, (laughs) they just were really scared of of putting themselves out there and doing it. And you know what, they all stepped up and they all did it. And they posted these introduction videos. And the feedback they got was just so uplifting. Like, so supportive, everyone else commented because they could see how hard it was for them. And they just highlighted all the good bits of what they'd done and and all the strength that they showed in in those videos. And you know what? The next thing I know, the very next day, they're posting it live to all their followers on Instagram. And it just, it just warms my heart so much knowing that by bringing these women together in such a supportive environment, they can they can start to see themselves as we see them and it, it's it's powerful it's really powerful and you know and other people were saying oh you know I'd really like to write an ebook for my business and then um Claire who specializes in writing ebooks would say oh you know I can I can have a consultation with you and then the very next week in the group they're announcing right my ebook's ready to go done done it like what like seriously it's mind blowing what these women are achieving the, the obstacles that they've you know, put in, in their own way, whether it's confidence, whether it's not having the skills, not knowing where to find the technology, whatever it is that's stopping them from doing what they're doing, if you connect them together, it's it's just amazing watching them all rise. It really is.
0: Mm, it sounds like it's the next step of women owning businesses. So uh, all the women I've had on the podcast, they now own their own business. They're running it. It's get, becoming successful. But there is that sort of gap, I still feel. Mm. And And the tribe and the tribe online is... Is filling that gap for women to support
1: women? That's what I want to do. I just think there's a, a Brene Brown quote that says something like, We were never meant to do it all alone. And I think when you look back at, you know, at past times, like way back in history, when, you know, we lived in little villages and, and women looked up to elder women for knowledge and experience and then that was passed down through the generations and we all looked after everybody else's kids and it was more of a A community more of a team where we all supported one another and we've lost that somehow in society today it's so insular and individualistic and we've lost that that real sense of togetherness and supportiveness and just being part of a bigger a bigger whole and it's important to have that it's really important and when I when I um, did the logo for the tribe it was really important for me to show what I'm trying to achieve in the logo so it's like a crescent moon facing one way and then a full moon and then another crescent moon facing the other way which um represents the divine feminine so you've got um the maiden the mother and the crone which is like the three three phases of a woman's life really you've got that young young inexperienced part the the mother part and then as you get older and you've got all that experience that you've gained um and i also wanted it to equally represent the stages of business so you've got that sort of you know the startup where you don't really know what you're doing you've got like the the bit where you've been doing it for a while and you kind of you've got your, you, you've got your grounding you know you know you've learned a lot and you've got a lot to share and then you've got that more when you get you know further down the line and you've got a lot of experience that you can pass back down and i wanted it to to show that that's what the tribe is all about it's it's what can we all each as individuals bring to the table and how can we help everybody else to raise up and be the best version of themselves that they can be?
0: Absolutely. And I don't think, I think lockdown has sort of, I don't know, put a lot more pressure on women Mm. and it's also made us more insular. So we haven't got our village or our tribe at the moment, but let's hope that ends soon.
1: Yeah. I think even before, even before lockdown, we needed this, but now more than ever it's, it's, you know, when you're stuck at home and you, you can't even meet your friend for coffee, so even if you've got a doubt, like, you know, if I'd have been sitting at home going, oh, God, can I launch an online platform? Can I do this on my own? Like, not a chance. I would never have done it, like, without having Claire to to be there at my side going, but I can help you do this. Like, you you've totally got this. I can help you with that. Like, you don't need to worry about this aspect. You've got everything that you need to do it. I wouldn't have been able to do it because I'd have been sitting here with that critical voice in my head letting that take control and and talking me down so the fact that we can't even see our regular network of you know just close friends at the moment let alone other you know supportive business women is it's very very difficult very difficult set of circumstances that we're operating in
0: what do you think the future holds now for the tribe and the design shepherd blog um for my blog i want to get into
1: doing more video work and i've wanted to do it for ages probably for about 12 years (laughs) But again it's that that i want to say confidence but i don't think it is confidence i love doing video and it's not a confidence issue but it was more more kind of fear but not wanting to stand out too much i guess but i've decided i think i've got to the age now where i'm like you know what i just want to do it and if people don't like it then that's not my problem that's not my problem (laughs) so if i enjoy it if it brings me joy and i enjoy it which i will then that's good enough for me so i'm going to try and do some more video uh, and that's the direction that I want to take that in and obviously still do all my writing and I want to write a book so that I'm going to start that I'm going to start tomorrow <laughs> just going to put that out there for accountability <laughs> oh, I'm going to start tomorrow <laughs> oh incredible <laughs> um, so yeah that's, that's for my blog and for tribe I definitely want to um, grow the tribe online and I want to get people back into the space in a safe way so as soon as it's safe for us to to open the doors again i want to get people coming back in to use the space and it might be that i can't ever do like in-person workshops just because unless i find another venue because we just we can't i could literally fit like three people in because we have two small offices one's got five desks and one's got three so for social distancing you know i can't cram i can't cram people in to sit next to each other like like i did for my first workshop before we got shut down so it might just be that they're all going to have to be online, but I've I've come to terms with that now. Part of me setting up a physical workspace was having worked online for over a decade. I wanted in-person contact rather than just everything online. And then the world changed and everything's online, so I'm, I'm going to have to just carry on the way that I've always worked and do it all online, I think. So more more workshops online, more chances to network, and and, yeah, just just help everybody get the the knowledge, the skills and the experience that they need from one another.
0: Amazing. And how do people find The Tribe?
1: We have a website which is www.thetribecoworking.co.uk and then we're also on um, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram as at the works. but I mostly tend to hang out on Instagram because I think that's where my ideal customers mostly tend to uh, spend their time.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much for talking to me today. That was an amazing conversation.
1: Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story.
0: Well, there you have it. I loved our chat and I love what Stacey's doing. She's created a space for women in business to support women, which is a brilliant idea and definitely what this podcast is all about. Let me know what you think on social media. This week I created a Twitter account, and you can find it at women's edition, all one word. And from talking to Stacey, I'm also going to do a little video introduction from me on social media soon. Which takes me out of my comfort zone, but I'll give it a go, because I've never actually introduced myself properly on here. It's the last episode of this first series next week, because I start a job in March, so I'm going to take a little break to work out what life is like as a working mum, which is quite scary then we'll be back with a second series which is all about female adventurers which I'm really looking forward to and I've already got some women lined up to chat to me about their experiences which is really exciting so see you next week for the last episode of series one I'm hoping to do a bonus episode between series so I shall see how I go see you next week bye